Hey everybody, welcome to the Exit Podcast. Today I've got Harry Bergeron. He's the founder of Pluribus, a cancellation insurance provider. He started the business with a couple of the guys from Exit, so I wanted to get him on the show to talk about that process and why this thing that he's working on is is important to the big picture. So, welcome Harry. Awesome, thanks for having me. So first of all, what's Pluribus? Tell us about it. The thought behind Pluribus began um, when, you know, I'm kind of witnessing the things that everyone else are witnessing and everybody kind of being coerced into this group think. And I was wondering, I want the opposite of what's happening now. So instead of uh, this, I kind of just kind of had one sentence in my head. And if, uh, you know, what we're looking at is centralized coercion into consensus from above, I thought what would be the opposite of that? And it would be uh, decentralized support for individualism from below or individualism or dissent. Um, so this was a couple of years ago and I had been kind of going through the, the conceptual groundwork and rewriting things and taking things out and putting them in. But anyway, I had uh, finally, I was tracking your group exit for a while when I first heard that it happened on Twitter and I was keeping tabs on it. So I had uh, a previous potential co-founder I was working with uh, and that, um, didn't work out for a couple of reasons. Just, you know, the past couple of years have been hard on a lot of people and use one of them. So it didn't really make sense to proceed. But anyway, uh, I thought that your group and the goals of your group and myself were very much aligned. Uh, so I joined and shot the idea by a couple of guys that I thought might be interested. And, you know, within a matter of two months and everything, we had a small team working on it. And uh, that's what we've been doing for the past few months. So you mentioned decentralized support from below. How do you provide that decentralized support? Yeah, so uh, I, I realized I did not answer that the first time you uh, the first time you asked. So the idea is right now when something bad happens to someone or they get canceled, they just rapidly try to crowdfund something after the fact. Say, hey, donate to my GoFundMe, and then the GoFundMe is taken away anyway. Um, or they just start hawking merch, and they come up with a half-clever phrase to put on a T-shirt and just ask people to buy it just because they got to do what they got to do. So the idea is uh, to do crowdfunding proactively. So what, how it works is, since you know, cancellation means different things to different people, uh, the person who would like to be uh, insured uh, or protected against cancellation would articulate to their followers what scenario they would like protection against. Their followers would pledge to donate if that happens. Uh, no money leaves their account on the spot. It's just a financial commitment to do so if certain circumstances pass. If that day does come, then the recipient that says, sends a message to everybody says, hey, it finally happened. Uh, you guys can see the news. This is a legitimate uh, circumstance. I'm going to execute this uh, policy that we both agreed to in the terms and all your pledges will be activated. And that way the funds get released and they have a safety net waiting for them. So the idea behind it is the sword hanging over everybody's head. The only power it has is the implied damage if it falls. You know, you're scared of the sword of Damocles because if it hits your chest, it stabs you. 
But if it didn't, and it just kind of gave you a nick, then when people tell you to do things, you don't necessarily have to be inclined to go along with it. So are these funds held in escrow? Are they, is there a, a, a blockchain element to it? How, how, how does the financial pledge work? So as of now, there, this is really still in the very, very in the beginning stages. Uh, blockchain, I, I have this whole paper written about a, a lot of different Web3 concepts and how it could work as a DAO and a lot of different mechanisms behind that. Uh, that will come in time. Uh, as of right now, we're just trying to get the, the bare minimum and um, even uh, maybe not necessarily even be 100% functional, but just spread around to a couple of creators who we think might be interested just to at least deliver the concept of how it works. Uh, so as far as the blockchain stuff, it's definitely going to have to be integrated because eventually once this is successful enough, uh, all the conventional avenues are going to be shut off. We're proceeding with that in mind. Uh, so right now it's, um, you know, entering your, and this is again, very base layer, first thing out of many, we're not taking one avenue for any part of the project. We're keeping as many open as possible. But the initial thing will probably just be saving credit card information. And, uh, and you know, so we have that on file. And then when the day comes, we would uh, activate it. And then that's how the funds are processed. Uh, but again, we're looking at, at uh, alternative ways to do this as well, including the, uh, the escrow thing. How do you get paid? How, how do you monetize this? Ah, good question. So there's, again, this is another thing where there's a lot of options in front of us. Uh, so one option is uh, if you look at GoFundMe or Patreon, really their entire model is uh, is just taking a 5% cut of, uh, of each donation. Actually, GoFundMe is so big now, they literally just run on tips uh, as of like three years ago. But Patreon is just 5% um, flat fee. They actually have tiers now. But again, the point is that their entire model is taking a cut of the transaction. So that's an option. Uh, I'm not even sure if we'll necessarily go with it. We have to bounce it off people if that's off-putting to them and, you know, they, they're they really against it. Might not. Anyway, another option would be in order to open up a quote-unquote policy. And by the way, when I use these words, it's not literal insurance. It's de facto insurance. So we are not an insurance company. We are we provide a venue in which individuals engage in, engage in transactions that mimic the effect of insurance. Mm -hmm. So that also helps with, uh, you know, jumping through the hoops of all the regulations in all 50 states and everything. So one option would be to have creators uh, pay a either monthly or yearly fee, kind of like how you do with an insurance premium, except much, much cheaper than that. Um, yeah. But still, if you maybe pay, and again, these prices very flexible, but I'm just throwing it out for the sake of conversation, five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month or, you know, $80 a year, whatever it ends up being. So way cheaper than regular insurance. Uh, and, you know, the money that will actually be coming in, you know, you have an expense of a hundred bucks a year or whatever. I know I just said 80, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, the money that's coming in, I think will be well worth it. Um, and then one other thing, and this is getting maybe a couple of steps ahead, <clears throat> but for people who may not, there's a lot of people who hate this cancellation shit. Um, most people, but most people aren't as tapped into it as you and I am. 
Um, so people that just would like to donate to quote unquote the cause, um, just like people donate to anything, hey, thanks for buying this bag of groceries, would you like to donate to Greenpeace or whatever? So right. I think an option for that would be um, to offer a subscription to people. Uh, again, maybe like a $5 a month thing and assure them, hey, this $5 a month is going towards a, uh, what would be a general matching pool that would enhance the effect of other people's donations. So people that don't wanna be that involved, but are like, hey, this drives me nuts and there's really nothing that I can do about it. Sure, I'll pay five bucks a month just because I wanna help. You know, if yeah. um, and there, and there's a couple of, not to ramble, but there's a couple of test cases where uh, you can see how much built up energy there is um, with, you know, I don't know if you remember like the We Build the Wall, or um, yeah, we build the we'll build the wall thing on GoFundMe yeah. and it raised you know twenty million dollars, which I think was like half a scam. But I mean, the point is that you know people did it when there's an opportunity. The Canadian yeah. truckers before they get caught off. So if people say, hey, I can, I'll steadily give a small amount of money a month if that helps fight this shit. Uh, that would be another um, another route. Yeah. Well, it's it's a really cool idea. So I want to talk about the the process of getting started. So you, you jumped into the group and um, you're not a code guy. As far as I know, you don't, you don't program, right? That is correct. That is certainly correct. So you had this situation where you had the idea, but you needed the technical support. So how did you go about finding those guys? So I would like a creep just scan through the messages and different of, uh, of, the exit uh, uh, group on Slack, and I would go to different channels and I would listen to what people are saying or or the the introduction time. My name is so it's just people just kind of posting like a semi resume. So I would kind of have a list attached to that, um, and then reach out to people. Hey, I have this thing. Feel free to blow me off if you want. Like that you're right, but I just want to see if you're interested. I need people to work on it. I think it'll be really cool and rewarding. And uh, there were also a couple other guys that I knew from a, uh, a different group that I was in that I kept in touch with. And that kind of started coming together uh, over the course of maybe a month and a half, two months. Yeah, we talked about this in the, in the uh, full group call yesterday uh, about your project and, and a couple of others. To me, that's, that's what I get excited about is I, I want the guys to be finding each other and starting projects together. So so that's that's something that I want to make easier and more sort of expected that that's what you do. Um, it's been really cool to watch that thing grow up in, in, inside the group. So tell me about why this matters to you personally. It's difficult to answer in a short version because I don't like, there are so many things to dislike that bother me and we don't have enough time. Uh, I'm just not somebody who can, I mean, it, I'm really not that unique as far as the way that I, I look at this stuff. Um, because as, like I said, this bugs everybody. I just have never been one to let anything go, which is not a great characteristic to have, but I think will end up being uh, beneficial in, uh, in this circumstance. But also, you know, even outside of the, you know, standard political culture war stuff, 
beyond that, I, I, you know, pay attention to just kind of the whole trajectory of uh, humanity. Uh, so even though I would politically, I want, you know, my side and my values to quote unquote win, uh, beyond that, if, if things are allowed to continue, um, the human race is NGMI. Like it's, it's, it's not, it's not great. So I was just kind of thinking, I'm seeing people who are objectively inferior, uh, morally and intellectually, take down and push away good, smart people that could help. And, you know, we see the results. So I just, you know, kind of sat and stewed and seethed for like a year or two. And eventually this kind of came out of it as my way to, um, as my way to, to remedy that hopefully. Uh, because I, I think, I, I mean, this is, I'm in the incentive alignment business and my incentives I think are aligned with uh, the situation as a whole. And I think it will be able to do good things. Yeah. You wrote, you wrote a piece uh, a couple of weeks ago about heroism and I, I thought a lot about that. The need for heroism, but also the need to create circumstances in which not everybody has to be a hero. Like you, you hear a lot of these conversations, especially among like MAGA types, that like if we all just say no at once, if we all just storm the Bastille at once, you know they can't they can't stop us. They like there's more of us than there are of them. Which all of that is like true like, theoretically. If we were to do yeah. that, that would work. But um, like there's a reason nobody's doing that. Um, yeah, there's a reason it's not happening. And so the the purpose of your thing and and also to an extent my thing is to create enough security to 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 overcome these disincentives that are placed in the way of speaking the truth enough that some core some some kernel of the society can can say no can reject what we're being asked to do and then potentially that creates a greater sphere of of security and more people go on and then it's a preference cascade what do you think like what is your your big dream for this thing like where do you think this leads? So first off, I just have to touch on all the points that you said that aligned with my thinking exactly. I mean, it's a game theoretic problem. You can't just say, hey, if we all cooperate at the same time, we'll win. You, you can say those words, but it's not going to happen. So it's not you know that helpful. Uh, but everything runs by people running cost-benefit analysis. And you, uh, the exit project is hey, you'll have less leverage over you if people aren't over you, literally, and you're self-sufficient and you're doing your own thing. Uh, and mine is, you know, almost going about it in a, in a different way, but, but very, very similar. Um, just reducing the leverage held over people. So long-term, and especially with the whole heroism thing, and there's, you brought up the term preference cascade. And my i my idea is that we're much people have been hoping for one forever and it doesn't pan out just because of you know the penalties that are associated with it so my hope is that if you facilitate the conditions for emergent heroism and kind of bring it up from instead of 
0.2 people out of 100, maybe one, uh, then that has massive effects. Um, I, the, the scenario that I always point to is, you know, when Jordan, Pe the, when Jordan Peterson shot the fame, which, you know, he has qualities of his own that people gravitated to, and, and it's not just this event in particular, but it was just a video of him telling a bunch of college kids, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking Shut the fuck up. And everybody liked it so much. They're like, what the, I need, I, I just, I'll Google this guy. I'll watch his videos. I'll learn about Jesus and Carl Jung. This is the greatest thing ever. So it really, it just takes a couple of circumstances to break free. Uh, and I think a lot of people are looking for an excuse to do so. Like if you're um, uh, you know, those insane news stories where a, um, like uh, a rapist will be sent to a woman's prison because they'll be like, I'm a chick. And then then that happens. So maybe the judge is a lunatic her, herself um, or himself, but probably herself. But, um, but maybe, that's, maybe that's an issue. But everyone else in the courtroom is, is like screaming through their eyes. Like, is anybody going to stop this whatsoever? It's the same thing with the MMA match. When the referee says start in his head, he's like, this dude, this is wild. Like, I can't yeah. believe this is happening. So anyway, not to get away from, uh, from your question. So the long-term hope is, again, triggering that, that preference cascade. And um, it, I mean, it's like the supply chain issue and that's just a cascading failure. So, uh, you know, I, it's a, I think we have the social version of the supply chain. It's incredibly fragile, um, but the fragility is hidden, hidden. So a couple of heroic acts would be like, you know, Beijing shutting down a couple of major ports, and then it ends up affecting everything. So that's really the major hope. And honestly, I think once this begins to scale, um, and, you know, we start with a small batch of people at first, but then they get their followers and then it expands and then we can start offering more protections. Uh, then that starts momentum uh, that I think will be difficult to stop because the only reason why we're in this circumstance in the first place is because the incentive landscape has been purposefully tilted against us, you know, trillions and trillions of dollars to make sure that we can't win. So if you just start to kind of balance it out, then the rest of it starts to take care of itself. That was an incredibly rambling answer, and I apologize. No, no. Uh, long answers are good. Give me long answers. Okay. I want to I explore your thinking. This is good. So, uh, yeah, and, and you mentioned a couple of things, but like, uh, so to me, what why this is so important is is because we are, so I read a, I, I read a couple of books by Charles Murray, who he, he writes about race and gender and and all of the the no-no subjects and he's like you know i'm a i'm a tenured guy at harvard and even if i were to somehow get fired from harvard like i have a big enough audience that i can say what i want and he prefaced one of his books like i i am writing this book to give you guys top cover to have a conversation that needs to happen yeah. and i think about the, the, the conversations that need to happen, we're, we're, we're at this crisis point where we have sort of bought off a lot of these resentments for decades with, with the welfare system, with affirmative action, with all these things. The contradictions of that system are starting to collapse. So we have to have a conversation about these things. And, and if we don't, 
uh, I mean, things might burn down even if we do have the conversation, but they're definitely going to burn down if we don't. Yeah. And so, and so what are, what are the specific, uh, maybe, maybe what are the things that, that you think are the most important to be said that are not being said because of this fear? Oh boy. All right. Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I obviously agree with what you said. And I think that one of the reasons why I'm anti-black pilling is because we haven't really tried many things. I know it feels like we have, but we haven't. Like, like I can't believe it. We can't possibly win. Well, what have you done to try to win? Because you voted for a guy that you thought might help you, and then you tweeted a lot. Like, there really hasn't been, I mean, that conversation that you're talking about, it's genuinely, and I know why people don't do it, because it's uncomfortable, but, dude, there's 350 million people in this country. It is wild. Nobody's actually sat down and like actually tried to hash it out. Um, So those situations that you referred to is obviously uh, a conversation that we need to have. We really need to remake. I think we really need to remake the entire civil religion that we live under. I mean, it, it, it maybe had its purpose at one time, but these stories don't make sense anymore. And there's, we need to make new stories. And I kind of zooming out from an even, um, nobody talks like in, nobody talks to the American people like they're adults, or at least nobody in any official capacity. It's literally just empty platitudes. So I wonder if anybody really leveled with us and actually said, hey guys, Okay, here's the thing. Um, we might be passing through the great filter of the Fermi paradox by mid-century. <laughs> maybe they don't necessarily, <laughs> maybe they don't necessarily have to say that, but we need a project. Like, what are we all doing here with our lives? Yeah, I mean, I, I think about, I think about our relationship between the relationship between men and women is so screwed up right now, and yeah. we and and it, a lot of it stems from, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of guys who can't uh, find a girl that they vibe with because they're, tr- they're looking for a guy. Like they're looking for somebody to like drink beer and play video games and, you know, just is, is a man effective psychologically. And, yeah. um, and we don't have a cultural vocabulary to like appreciate femininity like at all um yeah. either men or women and so and you can't and 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 that's why i think it's you know with with this trans thing the debate you know we've got this gotcha line which is you, you just ask any of these politicians or, or or commentators what's a woman like yeah oh that person's a woman what makes them a woman in what way are they a woman what's a woman and in in one sense that's like this uh this gotcha just because it exposes a contradiction in their uh, philosophy, but also like seriously, our like consensus conversation does, there's, there's no comprehension of what sex is and like what it means. And so everybody's confused. And that's another area where I feel like, again, we're not even trying and just, I I get why, but it's still weird that there haven't been more prominent conversations. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, that whole, it's very difficult to, I mean, just this whole activist class of whether it's uh, trans or race or this or fat activists and everything. So that's obviously a problem, but let's say that, you know, the whole circumstances politically changed radically and all that stuff went out the door. What are they going to do with their lives? Like, cause that's what they do. Like I'm, they wake up in the morning and they complain and they make normal people unhappy. So, so you have to tell them, a, <laughs> you have to tell them a story that's just like, it, it's not exciting to be like, Hey, you got to stop just like just broadcasting your mental illness to everybody and just go to work. Like that, that doesn't sound fun. So it's weird to try to feel them away, but the whole, um, yeah, the whole relationship and gender thing, it's doubly, it's, it's extra hard um, just because, um, you know, women are kind of more communal uh, by nature. So when these memes start getting spread around, uh, they're affected more than men. And as men for, I know that we're accused of hating women, but we don't. And like, so our instinct, when you just see a large man that uh, is trans kind of intimidating a woman, like your instinct is to like protect her. Yeah. And just like, you want to help because you're a nice guy. <laughs> and also, I mean, it's kind of the same thing in war too. Like besides the obvious, you know, physical capacity differences, but if you're in a firefight and like a woman's getting shot at, you're going to want to help her and that's going to fuck up the mission. So people don't talk about that enough. Um, I mean, it's, I don't the have fat a thing, for it just like anyone else. Yeah. The fat thing is, is such an important conversation because that, I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, you look at, you look at the declines in testosterone and fertility I don't think that's all down to obesity, but I think a lot of it is. And that's an existential threat to humanity. Like, like we, we have got, we cannot survive with whatever is making us this fat and this uh, chemically unhealthy. And, and, and yeah, the fact that the fact that it's a mean conversation, uh, is is insanity <laughs> and 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 we yeah you, you have to have and part of it is I, I think when it's such a when it's such a threatened conversation when it's when it's a conversation that's sort of at gunpoint the only people who are willing to have that conversation right now are are people who are like plus two standard deviations like disagreeable or they've yeah. got or, or they've got like something going on with them that makes them so they like it, it tends to be a lot more vitriolic than it needs to be. It tends to be a lot more um, in your face maybe than it needs to be. And so like, I, I actually see this as instead of empowering the most, um, the most hostile voices, I see it as we need to get normal people, decent people, people who are friendly and and would like to help people we need to get them safe so they can get back into this conversation and and settle things down and find a real solution and so like i i you know maybe maybe that makes me sound like more of a moderate than i am but but i do think that you have to get and part of part of exit 
is uh, I want to get guys who have responsibilities and families and commitments. I want to get them back into the conversation because the, the political landscape cannot be defined by confirmed bachelors and childless women. Like that's, but that is who, that is who dominates the debate right now because that's who has the time. That's who has the freedom. Like if they, if they piss somebody off and lose their job, you know, there's no like kid who doesn't get braces or whatever. Yeah. So I think, I think you have to restore that, that the health to the discourse so that normal people can show up to it. Yeah. And I mean, touching on the, uh, the fat thing, like you, there's no, it's very difficult or to see how you could be a happy, well-adjusted person uh, when you're, you know, the size that a lot of these folks people are like, I've, I've never been that fat, but I've been pretty out of shape and I'm a completely different person. I'm, I'm depressed, uh, miserable. I, you know, just kind of resent others. So like it, it changes you physiologically and it makes it very difficult to, um, to, you know, kind of get on the right path. But you're right. Uh, the, you, you don't want, at least from an optics perspective, the first people in that conversation to be like the only people that are big enough assholes to actually do it and just be like, listen, here's the deal. Like, it's, it's just not a good look. And then again, then turns the ratchet further left. They're like, my God, I don't want to be with that guy. I'd rather help the woman who's getting yelled at. Right. It's also, it's also extra hard because, you know, they start the conversation by screaming at you. Like you don't walk into a room meeting a new person neutrally. They, you just, there's just a whole world in their heads that make them loathe you. So yeah, (laughs) it's, it's, I mean, it, it's hard, but again, I think this is another thing where the, once you get a couple of situations, uh, the, the conceptual landscape starts to broaden and things don't like, you know, how the four minute mile used to be thought to be impossible to break. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, what's the space Roger Bannister did it. And now I'm not sure how many people have done it, but a lot more have. So people thought it was impossible and then somebody actually did it and they're like, okay, well maybe maybe this isn't so insane after all, and we can at least give it a shot. I, I, that's just kind of a metaphor. I think of a lot. Yeah. We're, we're breaking land speed records over here. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, I think um, you mentioned being talked to like adults, politicians talking to people like adults. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't have any love for, for Putin. I don't, I'm not like a Putin booster, but when he gave that speech justifying the invasion of Ukraine, I was struck by how he's like talking about history and like, he's talking about like policy. Like he's, he, it was an adult conversation that he, or or he was speaking to an adult audience and it wasn't just like rah, rah, like, you know, we're going to go fight the terrorist enemy or whatever. Like, I, I don't think in my, sort of conscious, like as long as I've been aware, I don't think a politician has spoken to an American politician has spoken to people in that way. And, uh, it was, it was very strange to see. And like, um, again, it's like you, you, you can admire that thing about him, right? Yeah. Like, 
like wouldn't it be cool to have uh leadership that 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 leveled with you and that and and you know it could be, it, you know, he's he's clearly making a case for uh, invading another country. Like it's it's not like he's, uh, you know, th- th- there may be more going on than what he's saying, but he's at least respecting them enough to to address them on that level. I had the exact same reaction and and thoughts behind that. Uh, and again, you know, I'm no fan of Putin myself. I'll say the obligatory, hey, you guys, I don't like Putin. Uh, but if somebody's listening to this and they're willing to just, you know, assume that I do, I don't like them anyway. Um, so we're not going to be friends, so that's fine. Uh, I'll, I'll find, I'll find some way to live with it. So, um, yeah, I, I had the exact same reaction and it wasn't framed as, as, I mean, there, there are moral components to it, but this whole histrionic, uh, purely moral, this the that video that that woman made um about she wished that she was putin's mother so he could <laughs> so he'd know that he was loved like people he like suckle at her own. breast and just experience the warmth of human kindness that was just outrageous to me it was yeah and it was such a microcosm of how people feel about that stuff um let alone I mean, just the amount of massive death and destruction we've caused in the past whatever years. But it, yeah, it wasn't framed in emotional terms. It wasn't, um, it was, yeah, it was just like a geopolitical, hey guys, this is the deal. This is a, the historical situation. We're doing it this way. And, you know, you couldn't, I understand why people would prefer the way we do things. Like I would prefer being nice and do things for nice people and do things from a moral perspective. Well, you live in a world where people don't. So you're going to have to grow the fuck up and get out of the way of people who are willing to do so. Because regardless of your emotions about the situation, you're just irresponsible to the point where you are now willing to launch a nuclear war <laughs> because, right. because, because he's mean. <laughs> like, like it's, it's, there is this this angle of like as long as you are not physically violent you can never be the aggressor and like yeah. so so passive aggression uh becomes the way that almost everything gets done uh and it's it's you know i, I don't want to be too reductive about it but like there there is like this um patriarchy versus gynocracy uh element to this which is you know uh he's 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 a bad guy because he's doing it with tanks and we're the good guys because we're doing it with lawyers and banking and social media and that i just uh, there's something so like weaselly about that to me it just makes my skin crawl yeah and it's um and having effects that you know affect millions of people in Russia and make their life shittier, uh, and just like you know those like random gymnasts and and like symphony conductors and <laughs> like like a, or a picture of like Alexander Ovechkin with Putin. They're like, why are you with Putin? Because he's the best hockey player in the world. He lives in Russia. Putin rule. He's the head of Russia. Haven't you heard? Like like people are genuinely shocked that Russians 
like the person in charge of their own country and they just can't right. morally map that people have different circumstances. So yeah, th and that's a weird one because I think it's so obvious how damaging non-physical uh, aggression can be, but that's, um, I mean, I'm just speculating here, but you know, if somebody brought this argument to light in a very prominent fashion uh, and they had power, then they could affect institutions in a way to actually address this problem. Uh, again, that's years down the line, but this is kind of, kind of the stuff where, hey, if somebody starts bringing this up and we get the ball rolling, like I would rather get the shit beat out of me once a week for a year than have somebody take away uh, all of my social status and my ability to feed myself. Like yeah. it's, it's a much, much worse, more evil thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. And I think everybody kind of tacitly understands that, but nobody's really brought it to the surface and it's uh, wild. Yeah. And, and so we've, what we're trying to accomplish, I guess, is to the, the fact that it's these passive aggressive tools, like the fact that, that, you know, so far uh, they, they can't just send the police to, to, to wreck your shit you know, when you say the wrong thing. Um, yeah. It means that they have to use these particular channels of coercion. Like, they don't have unlimited power to coerce. They have these specific channels that they are legally and optically permitted to use. And so that's a, str like, that's a weakness for us in one sense because it makes it really hard to wake up regular people. It's, it's, it's hard to like, well, I don't know if it's hard, but like you, you kind of have to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation to like make a case. Like, look, this is why you hate your job and why the political system is so screwed up. Like they don't have a theory for how this happened. They're just like the, the, the pink hairs at colleges went crazy for no reason out of nowhere. And why can't we go back to the way things were under Reagan, you know? And you have to like, you have to like connect all these dots for them of like why, you know, how, how Reagan was adding to the problem and kicking it down the road, but it was a problem that's existed for decades, decades and decades. And so what we have to do in the place of uh, waking everybody, everybody up individually, I think, is you have to create space for the big conversation to happen in, in the ether, in the air. And like, that's starting to happen. I mean, that's what Tucker's doing, bringing like mold bug on his show. You know, yeah. it's, it's crazy to like connect the dots from like mold bug was on Tucker and he was also on BAP and he was also on Alex Kashuda. And like, we're finding ways to integrate the people with the real ideas to, the sort of media substrate that we need to access. Yeah, and I, I think people uh, get discouraged because like, how are we supposed to convince everybody or the majority of people? You don't need to, and you're not going to, but you can convince a higher percentage that exists right now. Uh, yeah. And, but it is incredibly difficult because just like uh, the energy investment to, like when you tell somebody, uh, you know, a fact about, about how things work, you're not, they don't just, you can't just learn the fact and that's it. You have to completely rewire the, your entire model of the world. 
And right. it, that takes I mean, time. I understand. It does take time. And it's, you know, and I'm in a, a very, um, uh, the amount of curiosity and amount of time I'm willing to spend understanding things is not uh, common. And it's taken a long, long time for me to, for it to sink in as well. Um, by the way, I always thought when, uh, when Moldbug uh, said, he started one of the entries with, I'm going to cure your brain of democracy. And it just, I remember how odd that sounded. And then it finished and it actually happened. And I've always thought it was the intellectual equivalent of Babe Ruth calling a home run. I'm going <laughs> to fucking knock, I'm going to knock this, dude, in 45 minutes or maybe a couple of days, you won't believe in democracy. Watch. I just, I just, I just, you know, you know what did it for me from him was America yeah. is a communist country. Oh I, yeah. The, the first time I read that, I was like, that's the craziest nonsense that I've ever read. America is a communist country. And then, and then by the end of that essay, I was like, Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, like not, yeah, like not. Not, nothing's more nothing's more obvious, nothing's more crystal clear than that. And I can't even I can't even get back into the headspace where I where that didn't make sense. Um, he's yeah, yeah. he's he's something special. And but uh, to 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 be fair though, um, his at least public stated opinion is that this uh, this sort of HR. Gyne- gynocratic panopticon is not going away and we should just sort of uh roll with it and so i uh i i feel like i'm i'm wrestling with these titans i'm wrestling with these these extraordinarily smart extraordinarily big guys uh including including uh mold bug but also like bap um mm-hmm. who have this take on where we are and where we're headed and it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel quite right. But I also feel kind of stupid even trying to like argue with these guys. But uh, yeah. it's it's a it's a source of a lot of uh, a lot of frustration for me. Basically, like the last the last three or four things that I've written uh, have been more or less addressed to those guys, at least addressed to their ideas. And like I'm trying to trying to get my arms around it. Um, it's, you know, um, I'm, I'm used to feeling smart enough to, to pick up things. And, uh, and this is, this is a, it's it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of chewing. So it's kind of cool though. It's cool. It's cool to have smart people around. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what got me, what drew me into the space to begin with, because I was listening to, you know, more prominent mainstream people. And I'm like, this doesn't spark my curiosity at all. Or I remember, um, like, in back in 2017 or 2018, when um, you know, kind of the start of my journey when I when I first heard of Jordan Peterson, and then I remember seeing an article that said Jordan Peterson is the uh, dumb person's idea of a smart person, and I'm like, oh no, like I don't want to be stupid. So then I read the article, and I'm like, I'm not stupid. You're stupid. Like I, I, got, I read the reasoning and I'm like, no, you're stupid. I'm smart. He's smart. We're better than you. Go away. So, but, <laughs> so I just kind of follow my, my curiosity and like when, you know, you always try to make arguments against it in your head, you know, kind of just pull off flies with a hammer, just attack 
attack every idea that's thrown at you and see what's left. And, you know, it's, you can do it in your sleep with kind of the stories that are presented by mainstream media. It's the easiest thing ever. Um, and then you do this and you can still find maybe faults or whatever, but you can tell it's a much, much sturdier line of reasoning. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even they admit, like nobody really knows the solution, but it's the first step, the first step is, you know, diagnosing the specificities. I think that I said that right of the, um, of the problem. And then, um, and this is why I'm kind of doing the project. I am, uh, protecting the people capable of generating those solutions. Yes. They're, they're not common, but they're extremely like precious, valuable people. Like if your house is burning down and there's like a hundred people in the house and two of them know how to build a new house, you need to make sure that they don't get crushed by falling debris on the way out just because of the current house you're in sucks. If you're going to yeah. build a new one, you need those people. Yeah. I, I, somebody, somebody, they phrase it as I rule geniuses in, I don't rule geniuses out. So like, and, and hmm. people talk about, people talk about Jordan Peterson or BAP or Moldbug, and they want to talk about like the three things that are like the easiest to attack the three things that those guys maybe get wrong or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. first of all, I'm not sure that they got that wrong, but, but second of all, they, anybody who can, anybody who can light your mind up like that, even if they're wrong about some things, just the fact they supplied a new idea, a new model, the fact that they, that they, they said some things that were true is such, is such a rare commodity now. And yeah, you got to, you got to protect those people. Absolutely. So I, I like the way that, so my model is what I'm doing is very much like focused on the individual and, and pulling the individual kind of out and, and building network uh, at that level at like the business level. But you have this opportunity to do that at the narrative level, at the, at the, the mass media level to to protect those voices. So I think, I think it's, I think it's super cool, man. Awesome. Th thanks. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I've put a lot of, uh, I put a lot of work into it um, over a long time. And you're talking about, you know, just kind of all these voices that are just breathtakingly intelligent. And you're like, so when I kind of started thinking about this, it took me maybe six months to even start doing it seriously. Cause I'm like, somebody had to have thought of this already. There's no yeah. way that I could have possibly done it. But the only position I'm in is that I get to listen to all these voices and then synthesize them in my head. And then, you know, add, and then kind of just make an original combination that they might not have just individually. So that's, um, that's been valuable. But when you, what you've done with the group, man, has really been uh, awesome to see. And just even the, it's difficult to kind of keep the consistency of, in the enthusiasm and usefulness in general, you know, enjoyment of a project over time. Uh, and it, you really have done a great job of that. And I just wanted to, uh, to say that. Thanks, man. Thanks. That's, that's the, that's a big part of the, the goal is to, is to get people to give people the fire that they need to, to kind of achieve escape velocity. And, and sometimes that does mean like the psychological encouragement of, you know, you're going to make it, but, but I think also 
one of the things I find so often is they can't find a small enough piece to bite off. They can't find um, a minimum, minimum viable, a really small thing that they can do to move the ball. And the accountability calls are awesome for that because it's like, you know, we're going to go one week at a time. What can you do this week? And not like most of these guys have day jobs. So it's not like, what can you do in this week with, with 40 hours? It's what can you do this week in like two or three? But the guys actually do move the ball at that rate. They really do. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. What, what you're just talking about, the accountability call and the entrepreneurship calls and everything. Another good reminder is just like that everybody else is just like a human being doing their best just like you. Like the word entrepreneur conjures an image of somebody who always has their shit together and, you know, gives the right orders and does this and does that. And, but then you go on the calls and, you know, every, you know, everybody's very smart and competent, um, but uh, they're like me. So it's, yeah. it's very, uh, it's very encouraging to see. They get tired. They forget what they signed up to do sometimes, <laughs> you know, they get sick, somebody dies in the family the, you know, the, the disruptions happen, but you just come back when you come back and you, and you keep moving the ball. And knowing that there's people in there who like care about what you're doing. I mean, for, like for me personally, when I'm talking about my business, which I, I do, I, I mean, I, I use the group just like everybody else does. And knowing that I'm going to have to be held accountable. Well, for, for starters, I, I, I'm three seconds away from the airborne, the army airborne two minute mile qualifier. It's 1554. I hit 1557. That was like nowhere near in reach for me before I started this group, but I got into the fitness call and I started posting pictures of the treadmill after each run and just, and, and virtually all of like my best times are the calls on Wednesday nights. And it's like Wednesday, 7 PM. That's when I'm able to do it. Cause like, I know I'm going to be in that call. And so I, I, you know, I don't want to look like an asshole. So <laughs> Uh, but, yeah. it, but it makes, it makes a real difference. It makes a real difference. And so, yeah, I'm kind of my own best customer, uh, in, in that respect, but it really, it's about the guys, you know, it's, it's the, uh, we have, we have such, we have such cool guys. We have such a great, a great crowd that I was, and that, that goes into like, that feeds into this, this thing we're talking about where, uh, Martyr made did a podcast recently where he's talking about like world war two and kind of the popular lies that we tell about world war two. And he was like, there are a lot of kids right now who are only able to get accurate information about certain topics from like Stormfront. And and he's like and he's like, "Look, Stormfront is wrong about a lot of things." And so like they can't be the only source you can trust. Like a, a kid should not be getting lied to by his teachers and by his parents and by the news and by everybody else. And then be like, oh, wow, finally it snaps into place when he's on Stormfront. Like, yeah. that's a really unhealthy situation for all of us to be in. And so yeah. um, and so, I, I, I was a little bit concerned when I started this thing that, um, that I would be attracting people who wanted to be like maximally hostile, maximally yeah. aggressive, maximally ideological. And I, I think part of the reason, like I it didn't happen. And I'm really grateful that it didn't happen, but it's taken me a while to figure out maybe exactly why. And I think it's because these guys who 
really these guys who are responsible enough to care about like handling their exit like in this organized way and building something they also tend not to be like they don't have the same damage you know that a lot of these guys do and and yeah. you know I, I i'm not a uh if, if if somebody if somebody comes to me and they want help i'm gonna help them and i don't care like i i there's no there's no ideological line you can cross with me where I'm going to be like, oh, no, I'm glad Antifa got you. So, you know, I just yeah. want to be clear about that. But we, you, you have to have like a core of like regular guys. That's the only way this thing can work. And I think that generalizes way beyond my thing to to this whole process. Like it has to it has to appeal to and draw in sane conformist is too strong a word but but community-minded people who don't have all day to to read about politics you know who who are there's there's a certain level to which it's rational to believe what you're told because like for most people most of the time it doesn't actually matter like yeah and and like then you have something to talk about at the water cooler at work um and and those people like i don't fault them for not being as dialed in as we are it sucks that they're not it makes the job harder but like i get it so so yeah I'm, I'm rambling now but like that's that's a big piece of what i want to do is to it and and what you're doing too you're empowering these people to speak in a way that makes them reachable to a broader audience it, it keeps them in the game instead of knocking them out uh, because they got banned from Twitter or because, you know, whatever it is, they got their, their Patreon canceled. If we keep them in the game and then they, and then they do become the people that go on Tucker and then my dad sees them on Tucker and they talk mm-hmm. about that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's this virtuous cycle to it. Yeah. And it also um, has a com- component to, it's a way, it's a, you can ch- channel, channel negative energy towards positive ends. Like you can take your absolute fury at what's going on and just help people that you like that are good, that you don't want bad things to happen to. Yeah. Uh, So I think once people kind of start cooperating like that, it'll feel, um, you know, everybody likes being part of a group and we're primates and everything, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a positive uh, form of tribalism. But real quick on the quality of guys um, and everything, I had the same fear, like when I got and like I haven't held the political beliefs that I currently do for very long. Um, so I really wasn't sure uh, what I was going to get, but it was it's been reassuring, um, you know, not that I was wavering beforehand, but I was extra reassured. I'm like, no, what I'm doing and what I think is the right thing to do because everybody in here are nice, thoughtful people. Um, when I, uh, when I heard you on, uh, Alex's podcast, um, it was even interesting because I follow you on Twitter for like smart, like edgy, funny takes, but I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily, it just turned out that you were a normal, well-balanced person. And I didn't necessarily expect that, which was fine. And I'm just like, like, I, even if you were like the weirdest dude ever, I was still like going to follow you because I like your shit. But I'm just like, oh, okay, no. And so this really is just, you know, normal people. So I, um, I completely agree. And uh, a note on, you know, 
being normal overall, the kind of flame wars that have been going on on, on Twitter and these purity spirals. I think it's difficult for people uh, in this that are really deep in this space to know how batshit insane with they like some conversations look. And yeah. it's not necessarily like it's a completely different language. It's a complete it's a different culture. It's speaking a different thing. So, um, yeah, I don't really I'm not really necessarily a fan when uh, they attack anyone who engages in minimally pro-social behavior outside of right-wing Twitter. Like it, it ha- that is, has to happen. It's not a vice. Yeah, absolutely. But like and, and at the same so and this is my synthesis. This is how I how I bring it together in my own mind is that part of having a healthy discourse is that there's this like scratch pad character to it. Like, you know, you can, you can think your own thoughts and write them down and, and, and puzzle them out for yourself. But if you can't bounce them off of the tribe, if you can't throw them out there, then you know, you can't develop them in the way they need to be developed. No one person is going to solve any of these problems. They have to be solved by through this evolutionary process of us like chewing through some memes and and, and, and thinking through uh, what, what it all means together. And if, if those conversations can be just shut down, if that ferment can't take place, then you you end up with this just like Soviet like Brezhnev like there's no there's no movement there's no growth it's just sort of we're sl- we're just trying to keep the machines running as long as we can until they break and then we don't know how to fix them it's 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 so important to and like I guess what I'm saying is the 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 stormfront conversation even those guys like. I can think that it's bad for them to be the only source and the only thing that you go to, but like, I think it's good that people are allowed to say wild shit. Like I I think they need to, because, because things come out of that that are good. Like there's, I think, I think people have, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm talking like Ben Shapiro, like the marketplace of ideas or whatever. Um, (laughs) I, I, I don't, I don't believe in that, but I do think that, that people need to be able to talk. People need to be able to say things that are wrong. People need to be able to say things that are mean. Like we just can't, we can't have these, these, these rules because they, they shut down who, who gets to decide what is shut down that, that, that sort of locks in the ideology, the civic religion of the whole society and it can never grow. It can never change. Yeah, I, I mean, I would believe in free speech under any circumstances, but if the one like steel man I could have from the other side is if the society was doing well and the people in charge of speech that are clamping down, like are, you know, running a tight ship and everything. But you can't say we can't talk when you suck, you ruin everything, you're stupid, <laughs> you're rude, you're mean, you're like, you're just, I mean, you're just you have so many bad qualities in one thing. It's shocking. And you're telling me that I can't talk when I'm actually coming up to a solution to a problem you caused. (laughs) So, so, you know, like I said, this has kind of been like a a long, mostly lonely journey for me that I haven't made a sense of last hour. But that thought that I just expressed to you is like 
the fire that kind of keeps me going. Like if I'm ever kind of depressed by myself, I'm like, wait a minute, no, fuck that shit. And then I'll get back, get back to work. <laughs> yeah, man. Cause we, cause we have to, we have to find solutions. We have to fix this thing. And, and that's, um, there's been this ongoing debate on Twitter recently about, um, whether it makes sense to try to retake these institutions or escape them. And I think, I think that's, that's the wrong framing. First of all, I think, I think you, you have to, you have to reduce your own attack surface is what you have to do. You're still gonna, you're still gonna probably shop at Walmart and Amazon or whatever um, for some things that you need. It's not about like withdrawing in any way that makes you weaker. It's just about how do I reduce the enemy's leverage over me personally and over my tribe. And, and so it, it's, yeah, it, you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna pull out of this thing. Like we have to solve these problems. We're not going to escape these problems. If we run into the woods, they're going to come and wake us. You know what I mean? Like that's just the way yeah. it works. Um, we have to solve these problems, which means we have to take back the culture and the right to speak, which means we have to soften the blow for these guys that are getting canceled. Because for every one of them that this happens to, there's 10,000 that, that get the message and shut up. Yep, that's the uh, the example that I used in uh, my first Substack. It's when it, when can even before like everybody started getting obsessed with uh, cancel culture, like when it really ramped up, it reminded me of those. Um, you know, I mean, I've only seen it in movies and stuff, but like in a concentration camp or something like that, when somebody tries to escape, and the guards line everybody up and go, "Hey, this guy stole an apple or tried to escape. We got him," and then they shoot him in the head. They go, "Get back to work." As an example, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing, and it um, deters people. But the so one um, white pill, though, that and the reason why, again, I'm not when I say it's not as difficult as people think. I'm not saying it's easy, but I mean, so the people who have all of the money and all of the power and have the culture in a fucking vice grip are terrified of you. Think about the implications of that and, and start thinking about why you would give up instead of actually start working towards a solution um, without thinking that it's, it's wasted or hopeless or anything. Like it, it can work. It's not easy, but this can work. I mean, you look at, you look at who they're theoretically, like they're, their their top guy, the guy that they picked to run everything and, and, his, and his vice president you look at the quad, like the, what's their bench like, you know, like this was, this is their hitter. This is their star hitter. What's their bench like? What, what, like oh, yeah. how, how deep does this go? And, and you, you just cannot look at those people and be like, Oh, they're clamping down because they control everything. And they're so strong. They're clamping down because they're weak. They're clamping down because they're frightened. And, and, you know, I, I, I I've said this a couple of times, it's in many cases exactly the same people that ran the Clinton administration. And in the Clinton administration, you could pretty much say what you wanted. You could pretty much do what you wanted because they were strong. They were in control. There was no, there was no, uh, 
dangerous counter narrative for them to attack. And now uh, they've they've become like unbelievably vicious, and it's it's not because they're stronger. They're 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 watching it collapse around them. Yeah, it's definitely not a uh, a victory lap or anything like that because there was actually a kind of maybe not a theory but a frame I was I was thinking of the other week where um, I mean canceling people is their insurance policy like it's not plan A like the first thing is the first plan is everybody get along and work towards a common goal okay that didn't work step two is lie to everybody and convince them to do shit that benefits you willingly without them finding out okay that didn't work. The insurance policy for that is cancellation. Right. So, and the the one after that is uh, killing you. Like, just, I mean, just to be frank. But, like, that's why the Second Amendment exists, because that's citizens' insurance policy against their step four insurance policy. But we don't have an equivalent. We don't – if somebody comes to your house with guns, you have a gun. That's the answer. When somebody cancels you, there's a giant, empty, open space that hasn't been formed yet. So that's um that's kind of the gap that that I'm hoping to fill eventually. Yeah, I think I think it's it's uh what did he one of one of the guys that I did a podcast with uh, not that long ago, uh, McCarthy. He sort of investigates domestic extremism for the government. So like he's 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 wired into some interesting circles and, and talks to some interesting people. And he said, I think the phrase he used was, "They're watching they're watching all of their tools for narrative control fail in real time." <laughs> their, their their ability to manufacture cons- consent is collapsing, and so yeah, they're 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 scrambling uh, because I frankly uh, they don't have they don't have the muscle to do this the hard way. It has to be done this way, and uh, you know I, people can disagree about that. I'm sure that I'm sure that uh, the the three guys that listen to this podcast will will tell me I'm I'm being a cuck for saying that, but but I really don't think they have the muscle. I really don't think they can, and um, and and so this this becomes the fighting line. This becomes where the uh, where the fate of the country is decided. I think so. God willing, you and I get to be part of that. It's exciting. Yeah, I mean it's uh. The situation is, well, one real quick note on the why they're in a shitty situation themselves. Also, quality of personnel. Uh, the, the quality of people that want to control narratives um, are not the quality of people that, you know, want to be outside of that and try to create things. And that kind of degenerates where, while the other one grows in power. So, um, but yeah, I mean, besides that, exactly. There's a couple of situations that I think there are that I wish could be different that would make my life a lot easier, but it's not going to happen. So second best thing is uh, doing this. And I'm really happy to have uh, gotten in touch with you and be part of the group. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And, and the guys who, the guys who uh, complain about living now instead of, in some safer time. I, 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 frankly, I don't get it. Like, like you really wanted this, this constitutional puzzle box to like solve all the problems forever. And like, there wouldn't be a bad guy anymore. And like, so what were you going to do? Like, what were you just going to get a job and make money and die? Like, what was your, what was your, what's the adventure in that? What's cool about that to you? Like, I, I like that we get to fight. I like that we get to, to push back and that there's, there's real like friggin' 
psychic vampire reptile bad guys to fight. I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it literally is. I mean, it's literally just fighting evil people. Like, it's really is yeah. what it comes down to. Ultimate it's metaphysical from... evil. <laughs> yeah, so you get to be part of that story. So, I mean, you can, you know, wish you had a little bit more money or whatever. But besides that, you know, quit your bitching. And it's pretty freaking rad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the since 1945, lived in a little bit of a dream. But besides that, literally everybody else, it's just been pure uh pure struggle so you you're gonna it's just funny having a, a human being born in the universe going but i don't want to struggle like that's just what <laughs> but that's just what it is though so you don't get an option it's not like you're not at a restaurant you don't have you can't say hold the, str- <laughs> hold the struggle you're just going to have one so if you're gonna struggle do it well amen all right well this has been an awesome conversation. Check check Harry out at, at becomepluribus.com. It's still in the uh, sort of sign up to wait and learn more stage, but really exciting project. We can't wait to watch it unfold. Becomepluribus.com. And if you want to uh, check us out at Exit, you can check us out at exitgroup.us. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,